This is the Silver City Church Podcast. Our prayer is you are edified by this content and that it refines your life in Christ. Visit us at silvercityky.com. From there, you can connect with us on social media, view our location and service time, and download our mobile app to stay all the more connected with us. If this content has been beneficial to you, please share it and give this show a high rating so more may hear the gospel of Christ. May you see God's will be done and kingdom come in your life. Advent season here at Silver City, and this year we have been examining and, and hearing the Advent hymns found in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. There are four of them. I know we have some guests with us, so we'll do a quick 30,000-foot recap for you. We have listened to three so far. They've been the song of Mary, the song of Zechariah, and the song of the angelic hosts. So today as we come to our final symphony, this is what we are going to be thinking about. These previous three songs kind of on the back burner, on shuffle. Mary's song was a song of thanksgiving. It was all based upon Scripture. Zechariah's song was a song of joy that the longed-for salvation had come. And the angel's song was a song of goodwill and peace between God and man. The Gloria, the Magnificent, and the Benedictus. And as we come to our final song today, there are a few words in, in English that describe the feeling you get when you, when you listen to the final Advent hymn found in Luke chapter 2. And truly, the only word that I have for it is haunting. Haunting. Kind of like Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And the, the Ghost of Christmas Past. There are very few songs, to be honest, that I've ever heard that I would describe as haunting. But there is one that sticks out in my mind that, that I can never forget. And it's because of this strange invention that came out in the 80s. Some of you kids, it's called a music video. It's, it's an odd thing. You may never have heard of it before. But because of this music video and the song accompanied, I, I have this haunting song stuck in my mind thinking about that word. And the song is called Hurt. It was originally written by a band called Nine Inch Nails back in 1994, but it was redone 20 years later by an aged and very ill Johnny Cash, the man in black himself. In Cash's mind, the song was about a man at the end of his life recollecting on his sins and his shortcomings. The accompanying music video was shot in the Cash house a museum in Nashville dedicated to Johnny and June. It depicts a, an elderly and sick Johnny and June in this house with various relics and memorabilia from their life. I remember watching this video as a kid, and it, and it scared me. I'd always change the channel. Not because it was gory, not because it was edgy, not because of what the song spoke of was, was terrifying, but because it was raw. It was raw. And like a self-fulfilling prophecy, seven months after this music video came out and Johnny released this rendition, he passed away, only adding to the haunting nature of it. There's this line in the chorus that I'll never forget. Many of you may know it yourself. And it's sobering. It's also quite theologically sobering. It goes like this. 
and you can have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. It's haunting. Today we're going to examine the song of Simeon, an equally haunting song that I pray stays with us the rest of our lives, even more than the Johnny Cash rendition of Hurt. I hope that it's a haunting tune that stirs our soul this Christmas morn to reflect upon what we have gathered here today to worship. It's not a what, it's a He, the living God, Jesus Christ. Would you turn into your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? We'll be in verses 21 through 28 or 38 this morning. Luke chapter 2, 21 through 38. Hear the living Word of God this morning. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, I'm sorry, verse 21, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, it, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Thus says the living Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would You open our hearts and minds to receive Your Word this morning. Would You carry us along by the same Holy Spirit that carried Simeon and Anna along? Would You make us anew? Would You help us to sing Simeon's song forevermore? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 21, we see that from the earliest days of his life, Christ was subjected to the law. He was circumcised as was prescribed in the law and was named on the eighth day. This is a scene that is 
as reminiscent of every Jewish household for thousands of years. And we saw this already once before in the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. But this moment, this covenant sign, this righteous law-keeping by Joseph and Mary was the greater sign, greater keeping, and the greater naming. This miraculous child was the promised seed of Abraham. This child was the fulfillment of the proposed sign of circumcision. In this child, in him, the nations would be and are blessed. See, for the sign of circumcision was to painfully remind God's people of two things. Number one, that sin causes pain and is atoned for by blood of being cut away from the old. The second was a seed was coming from the loins of God's people that would bring redemption. And here he was. Here he was. Eight days eternally old. And he was subject to the law. Not because the law was burdensome. No, no. The law was a gracious gift. But no one is justified by the simple works of the law. We know this. We read about this in our assurance of pardon this morning. Why? Because to break one aspect of God's law is to break it all. James 2.10 Thus you would have to be sinless to keep the whole thing. Something that Jesus was, is, and did in our place. He is our salvation. The very salvation we spoke of, of waiting for in Isaiah 25. The very name Jesus means God saves. See, there's nothing special about the name Jesus in and of itself. There's nothing special about it. It's simply the Greek transliteration of a Hebrew name, Joshua. I know quite a few Joshuas. Do you know quite a few Joshuas? It's still a, a, a prominent name even today. But it is the power behind that name and what it signifies that this specific child, this eight-day-old child, brings out in a glorious manner. For here, right here on this day, with the, the first shedding of His blood through His circumcision, with, with Him being placed under the law by righteous parents, He was given the name that is above every single name. And guess what? It, it wasn't really Joshua. That was, and, and still is a common name, we know this. No, the name above every name behind the name Joshua, behind the name that God is salvation. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Messiah, Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And just so we're clear, Christ wasn't Joseph's last name. Shocker. Spoiler alert. Right? It wasn't Joseph, Mary, and Jesus Christ like you got a Christmas card from the Christs. Happy Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Right? No. Christ is, is the Greek word Christos, which means anointed, which was the oft-used Old Testament term for the Messiah. So literally, God saves the anointed. The anointed one. Oh, if a person ever lived up to their namesake. Remember Zechariah? Zechariah means God remembers and He forgot. Jesus Christ, God saves the Anointed One. He lived up to His name. A few weeks later, 
in keeping with their zeal and righteous living before the Lord. Mary and Joseph, they go back to the temple with a now four to six week old Jesus to offer purification sacrifices according to Leviticus 12 and to dedicate Jesus unto God, which is found in Exodus chapter 13 because He was the firstborn male. There's a lesson to be learned here in this little passing of them going back to do what they did. Parents, anyone that's over a child, parent, grandparent, uncle, niece, or uncle, aunt, whoever you are, this. Look unto Joseph and look unto Mary. From the moment of birth, they were raising their child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They were passing the promise of their chi- onto their child. And yet they did not fully understand that this child that they were passing the promise down to was the very fear of the Lord and the very fulfillment of all of God's promises. Joseph and Mary, dear parents, are a, are a testament to you, unto you, to dearly and diligently raise your children in righteousness according to the full revelation of God's Word and His standards and all of that from birth. From birth. Do this whether you are rich or poor. Do this whether you know a little or a lot. It does not matter if you're a king or a peasant. The Word of God is for all and by His full counsel all will be judged with true equity. Why do I say this? Because Joseph and Mary were dirt poor. You're just speculating at that. No. Based upon the sacrifice they give, we know this. Leviticus 12 states that after a woman has given a child, she must give a purification sacrifice under this old dispensation of the law. And if she's too poor to bring a lamb, she can bring a substitute of two pigeons or two turtle doves but not a partridge in a pear tree. Mary and by extension Joseph, they were unable to afford a lamb. They were very poor. Yet they did not realize that that very day as they brought Jesus to be dedicated and as the two pigeons or turtle doves were sacrificed in accordance with the law, with the smell of burning flesh from the pigeons stinging their nostrils, they held in their very arms the very priceless Lamb of God given unto them for the world. The very Lamb who would end all sacrifices because they all found their completion in Him. They had no idea that God had given them the true Lamb. But as they stood in the temple, there was someone who was aware, a man named Simeon. And not just any man, it says he was righteous and devout, just like we heard of Zechariah and of Mary. And Simeon had waited for the consolation or the comfort of Israel, who was, who was being guided along by the Holy Spirit, Simeon was. The man of faith had been told by God that he would not see death until he beheld God's anointed Savior. This man of faith, whom we can presume was elderly, had awaited this comfort as the the truly righteous of God's people, his remnant always do and always have for centuries. And what was the comfort that Simeon, oh aged Simeon, as a stand-in for all of God's people, 
What was the comfort that he longed for for so long? It was the comfort of salvation from enemies, with the greatest enemy being death, like God promised all over the Old Testament, and most certainly in Isaiah chapter 25 that we read this morning. Yes, in this temple where Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus and Simeon and Anna and no doubt other people were priests on, in this very temple, on that very mountain that Isaiah 25 spoke about, came the Lamb of God held by a poor peasant girl who would be in the twinkly of an eye sacrificed there on that very mountain just outside the gates of the city to defeat all of God's enemies. In so doing, the sacrifice of this now grown Jesus, we realize that it's the plan, the wonderful plan, the eternal Christmas plan of old. The glory of His people and the fear of the ruthless, the shelter of the storm, the greatest feast, the swallowing of the former things, everything Isaiah 25 talked about right here in the life, the birth, the life, the, the death, the, the burial, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Looking at verse 27 of Luke 2 as we go on, this is where Simeon's song comes out, thinking about all of these things of this child, knowing what he knows by the Holy Spirit. Simeon bursts out into song. He bursts out into song. He has this joy in his heart as he takes this child in his arms, something that Jesus himself would do later on in his ministry. Simeon cries out a song prophetic in nature, traditionally known as the Nunc Dimittis, based on the, the Latin translation of the Bible, the first words here, let your servant depart, now depart. Hear this song. Hear it. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the Gentiles, for glory to your people, Israel. Simeon, a man of faith, praised God in much the same manner as Mary and Zechariah by praising God with God's own words. There are references to Genesis, to Psalms, to, to Isaiah's, Isaiah's, to Isaiah, right here in this short song of Simeon. He's, he's praising God with God's own words. God's word is, is returning back unto the Lord through praise. And it's not void. This is a joyful moment. A moment of splendid joy. Mary and Joseph marvel at the marvel of Simeon. Yet in a, a, a moment of time, Simeon beheld this child with joy and then to an altered gaze. His countenance changes. No doubt guided by the Holy Spirit, he took this child looking upon Him in a different light with bitter sweetness. The Holy Spirit revealed a snippet of what this child was destined for to old Simeon. He wasn't going to be a revolutionary. He wasn't going to be some political leader, an insurrectionist. No, He was going to be a suffering servant who would, with universal kingship and cosmic reign, defeat God's enemies. It's here where Simeon's song, like the Johnny Cash song, becomes so haunting. Like a jarring overture that changes from a, a major key to a minor key. 
Simeon blesses Joseph and Mary and then speaks specifically to Mary, thinking of Jesus that he holds in his arms. This child is appointed for the rising and falling of many in Israel. This child was predestined for many to fall because of him and many to rise because of him. This child that was held by Simeon and his parents was the weeks old eternal cornerstone that the builders would reject themselves and be crushed with themselves, but that would be the foundation of hope and salvation for the true people of God, the cornerstone of the kingdom of God, not inanimate, not a piece of rock, but skin and flesh and blood. It's interesting that the word rendered rising here in the ESV the Greek word anastasis, which literally means resurrection and is used when speaking of the resurrection in the New Testament. This child was, was predestined for the falling of many and the resurrection of many. Amen. And it has come to pass. Simeon continues his haunting turn here and for a sign opposed. The greatest sign of opposition the greatest sign of opposition, dying a cursed man's death by being hung upon a tree, this sign became the greatest sign of all. Not of weakness, but of the outstretched arms of a Savior. Yet the crucified Christ was and still is to this day a sign that is folly and foolishness to those whom He is causing to fall. Those who are perishing, those who in rebellion are turning away and being smashed by the cornerstone. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 See, Simeon tells Mary that a sword will pierce through her own soul. Certainly, as she would see 30-some odd years later, this child would, would grow and, and be hung before her naked, Beard plucked, body lashed, crucified in agony. Oh yes, a mother's soul was pierced. Simeon closes his overture saying, so that the hearts of many may be revealed. This was a claim that this little Jesus was God in the flesh. For who knows the heart but of God? 1 Samuel 6 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And lastly, we, we see contrasted with the aged and faithful Simeon, an aged, faithful, and prayerful Anna. Man and woman in God's temple, faithfully worshiping Him as if we see Eden reversed right before our eyes. Let us hear the Newton Dominus once again as we apply this to our hearts and to this blessed Christmas morn, and would it be that we would, would faithfully sing out like Simeon and like Anna and like Joseph and like Mary and like the shepherds and like the angels. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Are you a servant of the Lord? Dear listener, are you a servant of the Lord? As our Advent songs began with Mary's in Luke 1, it was centered around her being a servant of the Lord. And now all of our songs in Luke 1 and 2 end in the same way, a bookend, talking about 
the servant of the Lord. Are you a servant of the Lord? Do you follow Him? As the Old Testament Joshua, God is salvation declared, choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Service unto God is forgiveness of sins, holiness to become more like His Son, peace and faith and everlasting life, not far off, but near here. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Have your eyes beheld the salvation of God? Have your eyes looked unto the cross to see this child grown to manhood, innocent yet dying in your place, bearing your sin? Every vile thought, every disgusting deed, every shameful act, Upon him, upon him, as he wiggled about in a manger, he would wiggle in pain upon the cross for your sin. Beloved, do you see him? Well, no, Pastor, I can't. Simeon got to hold baby Jesus, okay? But Simeon never saw him upon the cross. As he gazed into the eyes of this child, the Spirit of God impressed upon him the weight this child would grow to carry, the weight of Simeon's own sin, the weight of your sin. We're no different than Simeon. Yet Simeon held the Word made flesh, but you hold the Word made ink, and you have that testimony confirmed and assured this morning. Dear listener, would it be that on this Christmas morn, that you have the insight to see the completion of your life in a moment of time, no matter how old you are. And that like Simeon and like Anna, the song of your life would not be that of Johnny Cash reflecting on a life of pain and of waste and of nothingness. Would it be that you look not back upon your life and see an empire of dirt? Would it be that each of you would sing Nunc Dementis, now let your servant depart in peace. A life of joy even in hardship. A song of blessing in a time of famine. And a song of eternal significance in times of helplessness. Would you feast upon that mountain? You will behold not your empire of dirt, dear listener, that you built for nothing. If you see this gift, in the manger. No, you will behold the kingdom of God. May the song of Simeon be yours this blessed Christmas morn. Take it to heart. Warm those vocal cords up <clears throat> and sing it loud for this day forth and forevermore. If this is the first time that you have ever sang this song. Truly receive that gift, the greatest gift inside of this song that we just examined. Forgiveness of sins and eternal life. If already this is the song within your heart, then sing it loudly for all to hear, joyfully, louder than the angels that holy night. Amen? Grace and peace to you. Let us pray.